Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning to share God's word with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting as we come into the Latin season and we think about what Christ did for us and uh, his desire for us to really cling to him and, and, and hang on to him. Let's uh, read the Word of God. Let's see if you're able, will you please stand as we look at 1 Peter 1, no, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for the holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and the rock of, stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. Heavenly Father, these are your words. I pray today that you would make them alive and real in each one of our hearts. Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, right now through the power of your Holy Spirit to receive what you have for us. And help us, Lord, to focus on what you have for us individually, not for someone else sitting next to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at the mess in this world, that's what I call it, it's worse than a mess, I guess, but, but, but I think what's happening, what we see um, uh, Satan having his way, don't we? We, we see uh, the desire for power. It, it isn't just in Ukraine there's this, uh, this desire for power. There's desire for power of people here in the United States too. But what are we going to do with it? How are we going to allow that either to help us grow? Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that we're not going to pull away and shrink away and say, woe is me. Uh, I, I'm just going to hide in a corner. I believe through this time God is asking us to ask ourselves what's next. What are we going to do to help Jesus grow his kingdom on this earth? I'm going to ask you to consider being a builder. Someone who builds up the kingdom and not tears it down. Letting the living Jesus give you the sure footings, the foundation, the cornerstone to live a strong life for him. Matthew Henry in his, in his commentary says, Christ only is the foundation and head of the church of God. I believe very strongly there's no more, there's no time for us to be sitting on the fence. Either we have to jump in wholeheartedly 
in, in working in God's kingdom, or why don't we just forget about it and go out in the world? Because it's getting to be that way. It's black and white. It's getting to be more black and white in where you're going to be. This morning, as, as, as we look at the first point, a living stone is Jesus. A, a cornerstone today is, um, when we talk about putting a cornerstone in a building, uh, it, it's more of a, um, you're putting in a time capsule or something. But when this was written, the cornerstone was the most important part of a stone building. Webster's Dictionary says a stone which lies in the corner of two walls, that's what a cornerstone is, serves to unite them. Specifically, a stone built into a corner of a foundation of an important edifice as the actual starting point of the building. The cornerstone is the stabilizer that holds things together. I have some building blocks here. My youngest grandson, we take care of him twice a week, and he loves building blocks. Uh, he's young enough, so he's sitting in a high chair. And if we try to build with these blocks on a high chair, on the tray, the, the tray starts going like this, and it, and it falls apart pretty fast. You can't do it. It's impossible. But if you use these, you know what these are, these are Legos, he can almost throw them on the floor and they stay together. And I think it's a good example. I think this right here is a picture of a lot of people who say that they, they are, uh, well, they're churchgoers, okay? And when bad things happen, it just falls apart. Their life falls apart and, and, and their family falls apart. But when you're, when you're connected with Jesus, when you hang on to him, he hangs on to you, and, and I know we can take this apart fairly easily, but if you're going like this, it, it is really hard to do it. You have to take piece by piece. So it isn't, doesn't all happen at once. And, and as we think about Jesus here, being wanting to be our cornerstone, he wants us to build on him and let him um, build your relationships with one another. Our second oldest, uh, no, our youngest son gave Jane and I a, a, um, a devotional for couples for Valentine's Day. And we, um, we read it before we go to bed and there's, qu- there's probing questions in each one. And sometimes they're not so easy to answer. And yet, as we, as we come up to our 50th wedding anniversary here in a couple months, um, we see how without the foundation, without the cornerstone of Jesus in our life, we never would have made it. We never would have made it. Uh, we've been through some interesting times in our life. But God has always been that one. And sometimes we, we, we question him, why are you letting this happen in our lives and in our children's lives? We have four sons and... and, and uh, <laughs> Life isn't always so easy for, for those in their 30s and 40s either. Anyway, we, we, as we watch our children, as we watch ourselves cling to this cornerstone, we see how Jesus takes them through even the hard times in their lives. This living stone, it says, uh, Jesus is a true living stone. He's choice and precious in his Father's eye. 
uh, precious. Um, what does that mean? Very, very important in his father's eye. Well, we know that, that Jesus and the father are one, but, but here it talks about how important and how precious Jesus is. This living stone has been overall rejected by mankind. Um, this rejection is not a flippant rejection. Uh, people have studied and, and have decided they don't want to follow this guy that they can't see that is talked about in this book um, that was written uh, 2,000 years ago, some of it a lot longer ago than that. They, they don't want anything to do with it. They've rejected him. They've examined it. And that's the picture it gives us here. People who examine it and still don't want to be a part of it. They don't study to, to prove it or disprove it. They just don't want to be, exa- be a part of it. And they've rejected it. They slight him. They dislike him because they would have to be accountable. They'd have to be accountable to someone that has more power than them. And they really don't have a say in it. They oppose him. They refuse him. We can go back to, to, the, to the, that day that Jesus was crucified. They beat him. And yet, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and there's many other verses like it. It says, come, all to me, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus stands there with wide open arms, even to those who have been re- re- rejecting him up to this time. He says, come. I want you to be a part of me. I, I will forgive you. Um, Acts 4.12 I read Acts 4, 11 and 12. It says, He is a stone which, has, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men whereby you must be saved. This precious cornerstone is the one and only way that we can spend eternity in heaven. Remember, in God's eyes, he's precious, Jesus is precious. The most important um, link between God and man is Jesus. People are afraid to speak, speak out for him. They, they kind of, uh, it's not politically correct to speak in public I suppose other than in a church setting, and maybe some churches is not politically correct either, to preach Jesus. But, but, but think about it. I, back in about 94, that's what I'm guessing it was, uh, the, the town where we lived in, uh, as, as I was pastor, had the tradition in the schools for graduation slash baccalaureate that they would ask pastors to do, be the speaker. <clears throat> they gave us 13 minutes. You can say a lot in 13 minutes if you really want to, Okay. And, and so the principal came to me. He was new in town. And uh, uh, we'd been there in town for about five years, I suppose, at that time. And he asked me if I would give, because my, my oldest son was graduating from high school, that I, that I would do the commencement address. And I, I made, and I decided I had need to ask him. I said, okay, um, Dave, uh, if, if I'm going to speak, can I, say, can I say whatever I want to talk about Jesus? He said, no. You can't. I said, okay, I can't speak then. It was kind of interesting to look at his face because, <clears throat> because this man 
he, he had been told by somebody else, not his superintendent, not his school board, that you have to be careful what you say or else somebody might sue the school. You ever heard of that? And, and I said, well, why don't you ask the superintendent? Because I knew what the superintendent was going to say. He was a Gideon, and he had made the statement to me uh, before, a couple years before. I said, we're going to keep on until he shut us down. So I knew what he was going to say, because I knew I'd still get to preach, but I, I just decided to prove a point. But it's kind of interesting, this man who, who is a Christian didn't want me to preach because he thought he was going to get in trouble. Is that us? We're afraid to tell people about Jesus because we're afraid we're going to get in trouble? So far in the United States, we're not going to get shot. We might lose a friend. But are we willing to tell others about Jesus? What is interesting about this for me, because I, I farmed for a number of years uh, before I went, to, went into ministry, and so um, it says a living stone. I mean, I picked a lot of rocks in my day. And I've never had pick one up and say, start talking to me or anything. But it talks here about Jesus is a living stone. To me, it says anything is possible, right? And he says we are living stones if we're living for him and serving him. There's a big difference between something living and something dead, correct? Ephesians 2.1 says, we, before Christ comes into our life, we are dead. Not just about dead, not almost dead. I think about Princess Bride. Anybody ever watch Princess Bride? Almost dead? Isn't that, isn't that what it is when he's trying to get this guy to come alive? Whatever. I can't remember names. But, but no, we're totally dead. And he comes into our life. We become 100% alive. That's actually a picture of, we, we, don't like to, we don't like to think about this, but that's really the picture of baptism, isn't it? When we're born physically, we are totally dead spiritually until the Holy Spirit comes into our life. That happens in baptism. We're alive and we're living stones. Usable. Living stones usable to build on the true cornerstone. God desires us all to be living stones, to build a strong church, body of believers on earth with a great, with a great foundation, that cornerstone. That leads us this morning, we've already talked about it a little bit, but to the living stone received. Jesus invites us to be the living stones. We've already talked a little bit about that. But either you are a living stone or you are a dead stone, or we could talk in spiritual terms, either you're living for Jesus or you're dead spiritually. Uh, whatever you want, which way you want to look at it. But living stones um, are, are involved in helping grow the church on earth, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by Jesus. There's so much work to be done and I'm believing every day as it goes by, I think about what's happening in, in Europe, um, Asia, Europe, uh, that the, the time is getting quite short. Things could happen almost overnight, and everything would fall in place if you, if, 
if you study prophecy for time for Christ to come back again. As, as my wife and I were going home, this is a little while ago, and, and it, it proved out last Sunday with we got that nice covering of snow. Um, when we left for church, there was no other driveways cleared out. When we came home from church, a couple had cleared out, but they were just getting ready to do something else. They weren't going to church. So what do we do with our neighbors? How do we share with them? When we have received Jesus, when we receive Jesus, he empowers us to be that living stone. Uh, Jesus, as he was getting ready to leave this earth, as he was ascending, he says in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. There's a couple of interesting words in that. That word power, um, it, 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 in, in the... Greek language is a word, it says dunamis, it's a word that we get a word dynamite from. So he's not just going to give us a little bit of power, he's going to give us everything we need to open our mouths for Jesus. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing is, when it talks about being witnesses in that verse, well, I don't think we talk enough about that. What, that word for witness is the word where we get the English word martyr from. So he's going to empower us to live our lives, even to die for him, according to that verse. I wonder how many of us, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about myself too, if it comes to that time, am I willing to die for Jesus? We'd probably hear this morning, most of you would say, yeah, of course, of course, well, you're in church. What do you expect? But would we really be willing to give down our life for Jesus? Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, again, is the only way. It is easy to talk about, but hard to actually surrender and talk to people about Jesus. It is really hard for some people. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't know if, uh, if Alex um, was your youth guy here for a while, if he ever talked about this, but a number of years ago, there was a, a water bottle ministry that, that he, he was the heart and soul of because of where he came from, and he graduated from University of Minnesota, and we'd go to Dinkytown. I only did it a couple times. I mean, that's way past my bedtime. I don't know if you, if you ever talked about it. We started at 11, start praying at 11, and go down there and go get home at 3, and that's just way past my bedtime. But there was this young lady. She was the most timid, quiet girl in class, okay? Just, but when she got out there, uh, in Dinky Town, in that corner by Goldie's, she just was on fire for Jesus. She didn't back down to anybody. She told them about Jesus. She, she, would just, she just radiated Jesus. And to me, that's a picture of when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you allow that Holy Spirit to do work in their life, it just flows out. And there's exciting th things to see. They learn to speak, not to argue. Nobody ever comes to Christ through argument. Not to debate. But in situations like that, we found out, and it's, it's borne out in, in many textbooks too, but 
you ask questions and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Are you willing to be a building block? Solidly based on Jesus, not loosely based on religion. I think that's a difference here too. But when we build on that sure foundation, the kingdom of God will be, God can use us to build the kingdom of God on earth. You who are believers, according to verse 9, we didn't read that, but you are royal priests. According to that, you're part of the royal priesthood. And I thought it interesting, look at the difference between the priesthood before Jesus and after Jesus. Before Jesus, priests were only uh, sons of Aaron of the tribe of Levi. That's the only ones that were priests. Here are the, the, the distinctives of a priest before Jesus. They had direct access to God at appointed times only. They went into the Holy of Holies to verbally communicate with God. The priest represented the people of Israel to God. They brought offerings to God for the people. Kind of interesting, but after Jesus, if you remember talking about the, the veil of the temple was ripped in two as Jesus died. It opened up the Holy of Holies to all believers. We can go directly to Jesus, directly to God through Jesus. We have direct access to God through Jesus. Um, Hebrews 10, 10 tells us, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 10, um, by this will we have uh, excuse me, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. His sacrifice was there, the once for all sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice. If you have your, your Bibles open, you can just go across the page in the first Peter 1 uh, uh, 18. Through 21 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, in other words, you can't buy your way in, um, from your futile ways of a life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a, a, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory that you, that, so that your faith and hope are in him. You are, uh, you who are believer, believers in Jesus have 100% direct access to God. You don't have to go through any other human being. Okay? You, as believers, have direct access. And to me, that's an exciting thing. And John, First uh, John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all sin. We're, we're perfect before God, not before ourselves, not before our, our friends or our loved ones, <clears throat> but we're perfect before God. My response to that is praise the Lord. 
because I know who I am, and I'm so thankful that Jesus covers me so I can be perfect in God's eyes. And that's for each one of us that are here that have a living relationship with Jesus. You're perfect in God's eyes. That's the only way that we could get to heaven. Are you clinging to the cornerstone? Or are you still hanging on to religious religiosity? Let's look a little bit more at the living stone rejected. We've talked about Jesus being rejected by the world. The rejection started really in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, excuse me, back up uh, to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Rejecting God, rejecting Jesus in the Garden of Eden. The world asks the questions, uh, uh, what is truth? Why, you think of Pilate, he says, what is truth? I don't know if the world can handle truth. I don't know if they want the truth. Well, they don't want the truth because they'd have to change. I mean, um, cover-ups and lies seem like that's the way the world is, isn't it? So are we different? Are we willing to stand up for the truth regardless of what might happen? People not only reject Jesus, but they stumble over him. Verse 8. The, the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense. Chris shared it was from Isaiah 14, uh, no, no, Isaiah 8, <clears throat> I believe. Um, Paul Cedar in his commentary says, to every human being, Jesus will either be the chief cornerstone, the very Lord of his or her life, or he will be the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. We cannot be neutral concerning Jesus. To ignore him is to reject him. Today people talk about when the name of Jesus comes up, they either get offended or they get uneasy, or I guess we could say, uh, I suppose uh, for me I get offended if somebody takes it in vain, and I suppose they, they, they get offended when I share with them. I have a neighbor that I've been working with for 20 years, and it's interesting. I find, uh, talk to him a lot. And Jesus comes up once in a while, we back away. But I'm finding out, because he was, I thought, on church, never been to church. I just found out a week ago, Thursday night, that he grew up in a Catholic church. So he knows the ritual and stuff. And it was really interesting visiting about that. And, and so it just kind of opens up new avenues in the future. But, but he, he gets offended sometimes. And yet we've gotten to be very good friends, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to challenging him on a lot of things as we, as we spend more time together in the summer. But <clears throat> the stumbling comes from being, it's kind of interesting here, it comes from being obe- disobedient to the Word. And interesting. Don't like the Word. We, we, we like to do it ourselves. The word is two-pointed. It says that the habit of lying is a sin unto eternal damnation. Most people don't handle the truth because they know it condemns us. Can't handle the truth, excuse me. I want you to know that this book that we call the Bible 
is the most accurate manuscript there is of anything that's printed before the invention of the printing press. There have been a lot of people that have tried to disprove it. I think about C.S. Lewis, he was an atheist, <clears throat> tried to disprove it. And we have a lot of good Christian literature that he wrote when he came to know Jesus. We have a, we have a, a policeman, a, a detective, J. Warner Wallace, tried to disprove the scripture by using his tactics or his, no, I wouldn't, that's not the right word, but how he, how he breaks or how he figures out uh, um, cold cases that, that happened years before. Then we have a newspaper guy by the name of Lee Strobel, tried to disprove the Bible. They're all believers. Another guy who was going to the university, I think in South Dakota, Don Byerly was trying to, trying to disprove it, but the Lord got, grabbed a hold of him too. I present to you that the, uh, in this day that the book we whole call the Bible is the most accurate book that there is. And the question is for us, are we going to believe it? Are we going to reject it? Second <clears throat> uh, Peter, Second Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by God, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. <clears throat> the question is before us, are we going to accept it? Or are we going to reject it? What's next for you? What's next for you? Are you ready to be involved in the building of God's kingdom in your neighborhood where you live? Are you willing to step out in faith and tell somebody about Jesus or invite them in and love them? <clears throat> yeah, you're not going to tell them about Jesus the first time you talk to them. But build that relationship so they trust you. So when you invite them to something that talks about Jesus, that they'll come out of respect for you. And maybe <laughs> might be your dearest brother or sister in Christ. I've had the privilege of working with a young man, new believer <clears throat> in Christ. It is amazing how much that young man soaks up. That's, well, he's pretty young. He's 33. But, but <clears throat> he, he made a statement the other day. I, he made it a while ago, but he made it again. <clears throat> how, how when he was <clears throat> doing very well, he, he said, I had everything that the world had to offer. <clears throat> everything. A great wife, a baby, um, great job, nice home. He said, I felt empty. Felt empty. He was flying back one time from his job. Um, he he put, a, put down a sheet of paper and he started, he started writing down all the good and all the bad. <clears throat> and, and that's when he came to realization, uh, there's something missing. That's when Jesus came knocking at his door. And the joy it is to see that man grow in Christ. And every single person here that has a relationship with Jesus can be that person discipling a young believer or can sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, I spent 20-some years teaching people how to share their faith. And I think about it, and all you need to do is 
talk about Jesus. Formalist, that's not, you just talk about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Heavenly Father, as we think about the chief cornerstone, Jesus, help us. Help us to cling to that chief cornerstone, that, that one and only cornerstone that can keep us and, and draw us to yourself. I pray for each person here today that, that you are working in their life, that you are challenging them, and that you are drawing them to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.